0: can't go on. Hi, folks, I'm Alan Watt, and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 10th of December 2010. I always suggest you go into cuttingthroughthematrix.com at the beginning of the show, and you'll find hundreds of audios to download for free. Uh, I try and give you the shortcuts to the big picture of the system you're living in, and it's a very complex picture indeed because. There are so many organizations and incredibly wealthy foundations funding them that are guiding your life. And uh, they all work together from a central body, of course, because they're all on board with the same agenda. All roads meet uh, in the same area towards the end of their great big plan, the great workers, I like to call it. And we're just going through tremendous changes right now as they upgrade the program and push on to the next phase of it. Lots of phases to go yet. So help yourselves to the downloads and so on. And remember, they all carry a lot of transcripts in English, too, if you want to print them up and pass them to your friends. You can also go into alanwattsentinel.eu and get transcripts in other languages, too. there 's a whole bunch to choose from. Help yourselves. Remember, too, that you're the audience to bring me to you, so purchase the books and the discs and so on I have for sale at cuttingthroughthematrix.com. And remember, the donations, too, are very, very appreciated and welcome. Um, remember, you can uh, from the U.S. to Canada, if you want to order anything, you can use a personal check. You can use an international postal money order. You can send cash. You can also use PayPal to order or donate. What you use is a donation button, send the appropriate amounts, followed by an email with your name, address, and order, and I'll get it out to you as fast as I can. Across the rest of the world, it's the same big story. Um, PayPal, uh, you've got Western Union as well to choose from. Uh they're kind of expensive to wire. Uh, you can use Moneygram to wire or to send a check from your side to me in Canada. Uh that's a lot cheaper. Might take seven days to arrive here but there's no problem with it on the Canadian side. And PayPal again to order or donate That's acceptable anywhere. And we are going through the great work, as it's called, uh, as they restructure the world, a very old agenda. This part of it, of course, was done a long time ago, long before we were born, and long before, in fact, your parents were born. Uh, the amalgamation of countries into big blocks. Karl Marx talked about them in the 1800s, the trading blocks, and they'd eventually lose their sovereignty, and then it would come under... Um, a, a world-type governmental system, which today we take as the United Nations. It might not be the final name for it, but it, at the moment it's called the United Nations. It's like the hub of everything that's happening with NGOs and foundations and all government laws, etc., coming from the United Nations onto the table of your president or prime minister where they just sign it into law. It's been like that for years. That's the purpose of it, of course. And nothing is simply evolving by itself, they're not uh, behind schedule. They've achieved a lot of their goals. They've even bypassed any federal input. They don't even need the federal inputs anymore. They can amalgamate energy taxation policies and, and so on. With uh, Canada and the States, for instance, they've been doing it for a few years now. I am surprised how many years we're doing it to do with, with their various energy and sustainability policies, with all the mayors and governors signing on with the Canadian ones too. Uh, to do cross-border without the input of the federal government at all. Right across the entire border region they've been doing this in different segments and areas, and they call them accords, which to them basically are legally binding. So there's many ways to achieve their goals. They say you don't need a big announcement at the time. There won't be one until really it's evident to everyone that they have no country at all. Technically, at the moment, you don't, and we haven't had for quite some time. We're all in it together, as the propagandists say in every war. This is a war on the world. Back with more after this break. We're back, and this is Cutting Through the Matrix. We would try to make sense of this big, seemingly confused agenda. It's not confused at all. The the whole idea is to overload you with so many different organizations that seem separate from each other, but are actually working towards the same goal, as I say. It's always the same thing. And they obviously, obviously do have, have a... A central head at the top guiding it all, keeping it all coordinated. In fact, there are foundations out there that do nothing else but that, coordinating all the other foundations and NGOs across the world, and talking to governments too, uh, with their private um, meetings which they're allowed to have. And um, that's what's really guiding your life. You're meant to think you're just, they're just competing parties all demanding different things, but it's not that at all the outcome will be a very controlled, scientifically controlled society worldwide. And that's what it's about. If you went into the NAFTA agreement, it's the same as every other free trade agreement that's been signed in Europe and elsewhere, and all stemming from the Great Idea in Britain and from the British Empire, in fact, where they said they have the free flow of goods and services and labor across all borders. And, of course, that was taken up by other authors, like Jax uh, Atali, who wrote about that too, and how there'd be a, a whole class that would be on the move across the world, and they will be the high bureaucrats in the, in the age of world managers. We're in the age of world managers already. We don't have national governments anymore at all. And they're all on board together to get us going into communitarianism, as I'd like to call it, which is the supposed, and I mean supposed, decentralization of governments, where... You live in your little community area. You'll have to grow your own food, basically, eventually. Anything extra you borrow, you'll have to have a representative going to the World Bank for loans, and then you'll all have to somehow pay those loans off. It's the global village idea, too. Same old thing, uh, many different terms for the same thing, and they like to change the terms just to keep you in the dark, which it does a good job of doing with most people. But um, that is the idea, is putting into communitarianism and volunteerism, as they call it in America. They don't want to use the term, community; it's not got connotations of communism, you see. So they're using uh, volunteerism for your area, your little area. It's all under the Habitat idea, and sustainability, and Agenda 21, if you want to find more about it and why it's rampaging ahead across the world at the same time. Last night someone asked me too about um, national public radio and how they get their funding and so on and what are they really there for. Well, they're there to propagandize you. That's what anything that puts itself down as a charitable organization, it has an agenda to fulfill. We also have public broadcasting networks for television too, and we get the same ones in Canada that they do in the States, the same programs. And every so often they come out with these awful drives with their tin can rattling, and um, they don't even need that money, that's a show folks, it's a show, because these guys are all founded, or, or, or paid for and funded by the big foundations. And they do, as long as they put out the same stuff, which is propaganda for a form of socialistic world system where we all comply. It's meant to prepare your minds for compliance, that's what, how propaganda works. They don't just come out and say, be a new person tomorrow. They, they work on you, and so you're ready to be a new person tomorrow. Remember all these articles I've read on, to you about mind control groups being used uh, by governments, and I've read some of them for you that officially work with different governments. And what they, they said is, we can't change society. We'll change society to suit the government. If you can't change government, you suit the people. So that's what they've done. They'll change you. Very old idea. Bernays knew all about it and even, as I say, Gramsci and others knew about it long, long before Bernays came along. Very old understanding of the science, of the manipulation, of the mind of billions of people. It's been a very old science, obviously, kept by all governments of all kinds for thousands of years. And National Public Radio, as I say, is is really supported by big foundations. I'll put up a bunch of them tonight. So It's only a handful, really, but uh, out of the, the hundreds that fund them with incredible amounts of money, by the way. And it says here, at the top, you've got some John Dean Catherine MacArthur Foundation. Uh, they've been on the go since uh, 97 to ninety uh, seven 1897 to 1978. Money from insurance and Florida real estate. Uh, the foundation fathered by son, John R. MacArthur. Uh, the Pew Charitable Trusts and the Pew Charitable Trust, started by the sons and daughters of Joseph N. Pew, founder of Sunoco Oil, that's the oil company, uh, for many years founded prim- primarily. Initially, uh, they were anti-conservative organizations, because they worked both sides, of it, but now they're all liberal. The Annenberg Foundation, major funder of education and media programs, also established the Annenberg School for Communication and Journalism. That's to make sure they put out all the left-wingers out there that really are all socialists. For world governments and so on. See, there's no science really. It's all going towards the same system. Because you you become, you put the information that's downloaded into you, you become that information. It works on you. Just like a a virus in a computer, it works on you, prepares you for the next step. And you say, well, I guess it had to go this way. What else could they do? And, you know. Walter H. Annenberg, uh, publisher Nixon appointed as diplomat to the UK, where he was made honorary knight of the Order of the British Empire friend to Ronald Reagan, Prince Charles, Margaret Thatcher, and so on. And he created a TV guide. Uh, he also is part of the Annenberg Foundation. And, of course, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. See, once you get up, once, see, you got to understand, these people don't come up by being self-made men. There's an order out there that picks you up, tells you what you're going to do and what you'll be, and you can stand in the limelight as a front man and take all the glory. And it's essential with Bill Gates, of course, they had to get one main system in across the whole world. It's far easier to to monitor one system than a whole bunch of or a variety of systems for the security agencies to make sure everything is formulated along the same track together and monitored and so on. That's what you've got the computer for. So, And once you get to a certain stage and all these, these billions have accumulated, the, 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 the agreement is you have to donate X amount of bucks back into the group that basically pulled you up like Neil getting pulled up off the pool of water once he was reborn. If you remember the first movie, you're to kick the money back and that's why they do it. Not because they're charitable people, they're anything but charitable people. The Ford Foundation, which I think now is run by the Rockefeller Group as well, the same board of directors, um, they also have uh, funded a major fund of education and media. The Ford Foundation contributes to NPR as well as other public media. Over the past 55 years, the foundation alone has invested more than $440 million in global public media. And then it's got... Uh, the, for, the, the Ford Foundation, that's the actual link. I'll put these links up for you to have a look at. And the NPR Financial Statement too has got a PDF for that. I'll put that up as well. And um, the Board of Directors appointed by the President of the United States will uh, also put that one up as well because you also have public taxpayer money going into it as well to make sure that America produces the right kind of people uh, that the overlords want. That's what it's all about. So I never watch these things. It's so transparent to me when you start watching. You know, a couple of minutes, you know exactly where they're, even shorter time, in fact, you know exactly where they're going and how they intend to twist your mind into one area or another. Now, we're watching them have their big meal fest, you know, their big fest in, in uh, Cancun to do with massive taxation across the planet under the guise of carbon taxes. That's what it is, it's an economic meeting more than anything else. And nothing is decided there because the ones who all go have their meals, they listen to a few people talk, and they have meals after that, more brandy and so on, in partying all night. And then they get in their private ear jets, etc. and go back home. And these are again charitable organizations, you understand? The parallel government uh, the whole thing is all the drafting up of all the agreements was, was done probably a year ago um, at the end of the last meeting they had. And all they go there is sign them, and they, this is what they're told to push and, and what their mantra will be for this year and so on. That's all it's about, really, a big, big party. And again, the redistribution of wealth, that ties right in with what's happening now because we are putting out billions and trillions of dollars across the planet to the international corporations, uh, other facilities in other countries. That's what it's all about. It won't go to the people at the bottom. But at the same time as this is happening, Britain is snowed under. They're using troops and everything to try to clear the snow, mainly because they've cut back on uh, snow clearing for the last 20 years. Uh, but they want to make a big show of it. Oh, it's getting bad now. It's terrible. Everything's a crisis now. And then in Canada too, with its great computers that are signed on to the global warming stuff, it says Enviro Canada admits it under under forecasted by 1000% the year's first storm, snowstorm. It says uh, Environment Canada's predictions for the year's first snowstorm appear to have been off in Quebec by roughly 1000%. The National Office had warned Montrealers Monday that they should expect a light sprinkling of two to four centimetres of snow. But it's kept falling and falling, and by Tuesday afternoon it buried cars and fire hydrants as 25 centimetres, blanketed the city, and the weather system was still going strong. More snow was still coming down. So it says, Environment Canada meteorologist René Heroux admits the department's computers, didn't do a very good job figuring out how bad the storm would be. The solution, obviously, is to get more expensive Cray computers, you know, super Cray computers, because last year's is probably the last model they had, you know. And they love to keep buying computers to put in their predictions, But you are always wrong. When you forecast 2 to 4 centimeters, you end up with 25, there's something going on. He said, well, I love geniuses. That's why these guys are made the top experts in the country. Blame us, I mean, we're the ones who are issuing the forecast, so obviously we're the ones who didn't see it coming. Amazing that with all these supercomputers, they didn't see it coming, and satellites and everything. But that's the the garbage we're supposed to swallow as your leaders are, are signing on to massive taxation under global warming. Back with more after this break. We're back cutting through the matrix, talking about the nonsense we live through, which they call life. And of course, propaganda amazingly often works and it succeeds. It's a, it has victory over common sense and reality and memory, even for most people. They can't believe so many experts would be up there telling them how bad things are across the world as they get snowed under and they're freezing and all the rest of it. I've gone through how many folk died in Britain last year because of the cold, mainly uh, pensioners, too, who can't afford the fuel. But um, you see, it's a big excuse to make a big, incredible money grab from the general public under any guise, and that's what was that's what McClelland, who was up there in the federal government of Canada, said a few years ago. She said it doesn't matter if all the, the 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 climate science is all bogus or phony. She says we can use this for global equality, meaning redistribution of wealth. If you didn't know, the communists will all know that. Anyway, it says uh, he says Britain again now that the army moves in to clear away snow in coldest December for a hundred years as fuel runs out. At gas stations in Scotland and East Anglia. And it says it was, the army was called in today to help clear away ice and snows Britain headed towards its as coldest as December for a hundred years. As temperatures plunged to minus 15 uh, degrees, uh, David Cameron ordered the military to step in and help the UK's beleaguered local councils. See, they've been pocketing the money. A lot of these councils are so darn corrupt and not putting the money out for gravel and sanding and so on, or even equipment to clear the roads. It says the Prime Minister also revealed cobra-style emergency meetings, cobra-style, oh, love that, it's a corpse, of senior officials and ministers and had to help that held to discuss the government's response to the big freeze. What are they going to do, just blow out that hot air out of Parliament, maybe, and melt it all? Edinburgh City Council was the first local authority to ask for health, help. Officials have held talks with the Ministry of Defence and the Scottish Government to allow soldiers to remove built-up snow and ice from roads and sidewalks. And uh, so, says Scottish Cattle, had seen the worst snowfall since 1963, leaving some of its most vulnerable residents unable to leave their homes. Up to 30 inches of snow has fallen in parts of the city. That was in a very short time, too. Under the plan, soldiers will be helping residents from the hardest-hit areas of Edinburgh, as well as those who need to get access to medical help. Maybe when they stop spraying the skies, we'll get more sunlight through, and it'll warm up a little bit. And we'll get, we'll stop all these these bad temperatures, you know, the negative temperatures from falling so low. But that'll be the day, as you say, because they won't even talk about that at all. They keep talking about geoengineering as though it's something that's going to come eventually. when well, we've had it since 1998, uh, pretty well daily. That's the reality we live through. Now back to communitarianism and so on and how you've you all get moved off the, the, the rural areas and into the crowded cities. Uh, they're having their international meeting right now in uh, Chile, Smarter Cities Forum, and uh, they talk about the collective realizations have reminded us that we are now connected economically, technically, and socially. You see, we're, we're there are no countries anymore. We're all connected. And IBM, of course, kicks this, all, this whole thing off just to let you know that they're in charge of it. The IBM guys, they were in charge of it. A lot of the camps in the Soviet Union and in the German camps as well, keeping track on, you know, numbers. They weren't people, of course. Bureaucrats like numbers, they don't like people. They have to disassociate the fact they're killing people by giving them a number. And IBM was a big honcho on that one, but they've always been up there on, in guiding this whole world towards where it's supposed to go. And... They talk about the planet's infrastructure and all this kind of stuff. And it says that that the urgency has increased over the past decade, I believe we can identify its source. The start of the 21st century has constituted a series of wake-up calls on a single subject, the reality of global integration. For those who think they've still got a country, it was all signed away this year. In the last few years, our eyes have been open to global climate change and to the environment and geopolitical issues surrounding energy, We've been made aware of the vulnerabilities of global supply chains for food and medicine. That's because a handful of pharma's own all the medicine, and five agribusinesses own all the food across the world. We entered the new century with a shock to our sense of, social, uh, of security delivered by the tax on 9-11, and much of the world is still recovering from a global financial crisis. I wonder who's recovered from it. I haven't heard of anybody recovering from it so far. So, yes, the world continues to get flatter, and yes, it's getting smaller and more interconnected. But something is happening that holds even greater potential and arrives not a moment too soon. In a word, the planet is becoming smarter. The planet is becoming smarter. There you go. In building our exciting future, collaboration is the key. This just isn't a metaphor, but then you know that. You're here because you understand that new intelligence is being infused into the way the world literally works the systems and processes that enable physical goods to be developed, manufactured, bought and sold, services to be delivered, everything from people and money to oil, water and electrons to move, and billions of people to work and live. A world is becoming instrumented, then they go through about the history of the transistor and so on and all the inventions that came up and how every invention gets us more and more integrated and interconnected. But in reality, we're all being guided by guys like these guys, IBM. You see. And um, and then he goes on to this other one, IBM again uh, for food technology. It says food is as fundamental as it gets. Well, I love their straightforwardness and again the genius of behind it. And our relationship with it has changed with every year. Just ten years ago, most consumers were focusing on eating a diet low in fat. Biotechnology was extremely limited in its application and considered somewhat dangerous. And a few people knew what organic meant or why it mattered. Today the picture is one of heightened challenges. Oh, the music's coming in, so I'll continue with this when I come back from this break. listening to the republic broadcasting network because you can handle the truth hi folks we're back and we're cutting through the matrix just going through an article on food by IBM it got its fingers into everything and basically that article goes on to talk about how they're tracking all food. They get the job of tracking food worldwide. And how much is that going to increase your food price, by the way, I wonder? But uh, they've got the job for doing that. I don't know who gave it to them, but uh, it's all to do with the Smarter Planet idea. And every big organization, every other big uh, corporation is on board with them. And whatever they do, they're the flagship for the New World Order integration, the Internet of Things, all of that stuff. So we're all tracked, traced as well as the food that we eat. probably it'll trace us, know exactly who we are and what you ate that day too as you pass by different little scanners. I'm also putting up tonight, at cutting through the two links to um, videos. One is uh, one of the gurus for depopulation, who's got a easy lifestyle. These guys have great lifestyles. They live very well, get massive grants thrown at them, and they ground around uh, giving lectures, waving their hands in the air to make it very exciting and how we must depopulate as fast as we can, and they use flow charts. They're great for flow flowcharts. Flow charts are like statistics, you know, where they try to pretend they know how it's going to be in 50 years' time, even though what they're telling you contradicts their flow charts, such as you know, we're at static growth or we're at zero growth or we're actually falling behind zero growth in most Western countries. It's just not enough for them, so I'll put this one on, uh, on depopulation up for you to look at in your spare time. And then this the other one too, public-private. Because I touched on corporations a couple of days ago, and how they're really immune, they're impervious to the regular laws of the land. And um, your government itself is a corporation. Your local government is a corporation. Your cops in your local town become under a corporation. They are a corporation themselves. And uh, it's interesting to watch. And by the way, big corporations like the, the federal government are allowed to take gifts from other corporations. They do that all the time. That's why they go into politics and so on. Anyway, uh, the one I generally call Napoleon Napolitano, as you all know, I'm sure, have a, a Walmart video up with her in it, of course. I wonder how much she gets paid for that. But well, she's telling the citizens and all the store uh, shoppers uh, that they must uh, be suspicious of each other and report anything weird or different or suspicious. And you can imagine how many poor sods are going to get picked up And searched and, and and all this stuff and their their hands, you know, flattened on a wall with their face and the whole thing as these goons check them out because someone with a cell phone or someone reported them because they didn't like the kind of beard they had. Maybe they had a a great, a day's growth on them or something. This has happened already when they they brought this in right after 9-11, telling people to report anybody suspicious. So if they don't like the look of your face or you're not their kind, their type, they'll report you, you see. So it's to get the public uh, paranoid and reporting each other—that's not what you want to live in, folks. That's that's totalitarianism. That's that's the most dangerous of societies you can possibly have. And here's No an Palotano. And no one's really talking about it. It's like, well, so what, you know? Because we're so conditioned to the next step of totalitarianism. When you really see, they'll come for you. They will come for you eventually. They know who you are. Your whole personality profile, every link you've ever looked up on the net has been monitored, watched. They have a whole profile on you and what you do, what you talk about and what you text each others about. They know all about, they know more about you than you do yourself. So I'll put these links up tonight as well. And it's just astonishing how fast it's all going. Not really, I suppose for the ones that are watching it, but to the general public, they never realize anything until it's over and done with. They simply drift into the new system and ask no questions. Another one, too, I'm putting up is the races on to fingerprint phones and PCs. Now, I already talked about this a few weeks back, and this article here goes on about, uh, it's the same article, in fact, but I wanted to mention that they're, this, they're working on technology to actually... Um, get the plastic working, kind of live plastic, you might call it, which will be able to fingerprint you uh, each time you use a computer or a, a cell phone or any kind of phone, for that matter, and um, they'll, they'll know exactly who's using what, where, and why, and when, and all the rest of it. It be instantaneous retrieval of information, including your conversation. I'll put that up again as well. Now, in this gl- world of global integration, as the countries are to be changed to, to follow the tradition of Britain. And remember that Cecil Rhodes, and then we find the same thing with Lord Milner, Alfred Milner, a big banking boy, uh, who set up the Council on Foreign Relations and Royal Institute of International Affairs and World Wars, by the way, too, to get their, achieve their goal. Because you, you always get forward with your agenda in times of crisis, as they like to say in the CFR. Part of the idea was eventually they copied the British idea of politics, because... In Britain, they, they call it parachuting in a politician. It doesn't have to be living in an, an area to represent that area. They parachute them in. And it's the same thing now. Once that you're into the bloc and, and under a, a European government, for instance, like Europe, and the, the coming North American one, I think it'll be the whole of American one, actually, um, they can then parachute their leaders in, kind of like what they did with putting Sarkozy in to France. So... They're changing constitutions now in in the European, uh, You can't call them nations anymore, they're not nations, because the top honcho said that in an article a couple of weeks back, there are no more nations. Um, into this, that we're not, we're once, once called states, not to call them states. So the Swedish constitution will be changed next year. The final decision in the Riksdag will be made on Wednesday, but since almost 95% of the members of parliament will vote yes, it's only a formality. To change the Swedish constitution, you need two separate decisions in the Riksdag. Between the two decisions, there need to be an, an, an election. However, since changes in the constitutions normally are the result of cross-border block negotiations, it's difficult for voters who are against the changes to do anything about it at the election that separates the two parliamentary votings. But anyway, when you scroll down this article, and put all these links up, remember, at the end of the show, you, you'll see uh, that it will allow foreigners to come in and be Prime Ministers, for instance. And um, it will change all the requirements for Swedish citizenship and so on and so on. Because before they had to have Sweden, Swedish citizenship to run for political positions. So that's going to be out and um, they'll get somebody from uh, who knows where. The UN will probably de- decide who to give them uh, as the next Prime Minister. And that will be the same across the whole of Europe, of course. Now, volunteerism, volunteerism, uh, again, is the same term they're using as communitarianism, and Britain are using both now. I'm telling you this for us. Americans have to know what's coming their way and what's already in process in America. It's already in process. I read yesterday some articles to do with uh, the foundation's funding volunteerism in America. And I've, I've talked about different articles prior to that, too. It's already here. And it says the middle class don't give enough to charity and should volunteer more, it says. Guess who? It's, it's the politician in charge of the culture for the nation of the, of, of Britain. Because every country has a culture secretary. For those who don't know that, they change and help plan the future cultures. You understand? That's their job. So the culture secretary in Britain, Jeremy Hunt, is saying now, the middle classes don't give enough to charity and should volunteer more. He's lambasted the middle classes for not donating enough of their hard-earned money to charity. Why should you bring all these foundations running and everything anyway? It says most controversially, he said he wants to become wants to become the norm for people to give 10% of their estate, of their estate as their money I guess, to good causes when they die. So the, the government wants to take it from you when you die. They already take a massive. Chunk off and death duties and taxes, so you can't pass it on. See, they don't want you working your way up, and becoming part of them. That's why. They, they, and by the way, the Council of Foreign Relations brought in the idea of death duties, death taxes, and income taxes. They boast about that themselves in their archives. Anyway, they want to take ten percent more after they've left you with whatever. After you've dead, you're dead. You leave it to your relatives. And um, Matthew Hughes Eight, who raided his piggy bank to save Turner painting, and <laughs> that's true that a that a some little child they put out in the media uh, who was asked to go to his piggy bank to save Turner painting. Anyway, in his speech, the prime minister praised Matthew Hughes Eight, who raided his piggy bank to help the nation acquire a Turner watercolor. That's awfully nice of him, wasn't it? They really need the Turner watercolor when you're starving to death and you can't afford your fuel for the winter. Because of all the laws of have created in Britain But by encouraging a rise in charitable donations to US levels He risks angering millions of people who are having to tighten their belts As, a, as a, result, a result of the, I won't call it recession, it's a depression, it's a man-made depression It was deliberately created to be a depression Because, you see, what they say to the CFR uh, They can make a lot, they get a lot of their agenda pushed through under crisis so many statements even recently more statements recently about that very thing he says and he leaves himself open to the charge that he wants to see charities moving in to fill the funding gap after the coalition ordered massive cuts Mr. Hunt hit the headlines this week when two BBC Radio 4 presenters mistakenly pronounced his name with a C at the beginning (laughs) in a speech to the Association of Philanthropy you see the Association of Philanthropy big foundations you see Philanthropy and giving. Mr. Hunt today said he, it was disappointing that the well-off did not give more to charity. And he goes on and on and on and on and on. You see, that's what's to go under now. It's volunteerism, sustainability, your communitarianism, your know, community area, and where the already selected organizations that are to run you like the new Soviet system are in place, ready to take over the chairs. They'll have chairs and little presidents and so on for your little area. And you'll have to attend all these these communitarian uh, shows that they put on and you've got to attend. They'll say, where are you? Are you anti-social or something? You didn't attend the show. This is all coming, folks. This is a new Soviet. We've blended with the Soviet system. It didn't disappear. This was its next phase. It was to blend with the West. Who set up the Soviet? The bankers set up the Soviet system. The same bankers, they're on both sides of things set up the Soviet system. They designed it through through the big foundations that they'd merge eventually and run the world. The parallel government, it was called. And Professor Carl Coogley also called it that too. He should know he was their historian for a while. So you're not run by your governments. And everybody at the top of government is a member of this organization, this private organization, the CFR. How far does socialism go? Well, it's all the way. You see, science dictates how it's to be for the future, how you'll behave, what you'll think, what will be normal for you. Think of Brave New World and think of the scenes where the so-called savage comes in to visit their their wonderful world. He seems quite quaint to them, of course, and he can't believe they're all uh, basically rutting each other like bunnies as they exchange partners and they don't get attached to anybody he, he can 't imagine they 're all born in bottles or tubes, you see, and that they don 't mate up with someone for a partner for life he can 't do that well that 's the world they 're bringing in you see that 's why they to destroy the family unit as it was with the male there because the male is, is, is less likely to change his views as the as the female and they of course 've always known this in psychology i 've even read the articles on this program here live from the big psychological foundations, and the marketers, too. They're a big part of it, that, that give you your present state of mind, by the way. That's who you are. You, they, you are what they made you. That's where your tastes, dislikes, and likes come from. Not from yourself. Anyway, government's done that so well in Britain. You don't need dads anymore. Sex text for teens... Controversy as a National Health Service, so it shortly be introduced in America too, by the way, promotes mobile advice for uh, line for children as young as 13. It says um, children as young as 13 are able to contact the TXTM8 service to receive advice about sex and relationships. Uh, they are be encouraged to send in questions about losing their virginity to the government. That's not bad, isn't it? Where to get the morning after pill in case you want to abort and how to get tested for infections. Within minutes, you receive a detailed reply from a specially trained advisor paid for by councils and local health trusts. The scheme is targeted towards those aged 13 to 25 to increase awareness about issues such as contraception and teenage pregnancy. How are they going to tell the difference between a 13-year-old and 11-year-old on the phone? But they don't care because you know, they do darn well it's to get much younger. But those who text and are not asked their age. There you go. So there are fears that much younger children could be received, uh, receiving detailed sexual advice. Well, they get a lot of pervs to answer them, I'm sure. The advisor also texts, text, uh, texting girls that it is safe to take them off morning after pill more than once, even though there are concerns their frequent use encourages the risk of sexually transmitted infections. The service is funded by health trusts and councils. There you go, councils again, you see. Is being run in the London boroughs of Enfield, Kensington, Chelsea, and Hammersmith and Fulham. Youngsters are not charged and they can send texts to any day of the week between the hours of 8 am and 2 am. They receive a response from one of 100 health advisors who work in shifts from a call centre in London. The scheme was introduced last year amid concerns that teenagers were having sex without f- being fully aware of the consequences. <laughs> listen by the time they hit 12 at school they know more about sex than their, their parents do they know all the kinky stuff too and all the deviant stuff because it's all taught to them by the guys who come in as deviants and explain it to them it's, that's the law they have got to bring all kinds in there the only ones they're not allowed to bring in so far which won't last long that'll be on the books too they must bring them in are, are pedophiles uh, because everything else, any, if you want to have sex with a dog, it will shortly be taught in school. They're already, they're allowed to, to have sex with animals and I think it's Norway. Big business over there uh, bringing all their European and American clientele in. That's the world to bring it in, folks. It's here, actually. It's already here. When, when the older folk are just waking up to something in amongst, amongst all the crises that they're involved in throughout their lives, Financially, and job-wise, and price-wise, and economy-wise, and so on. Between all the crisis, sometimes they get a little brief space there where it pops in their head uh, that um, what's happening to the young ones. It's intentional, keep you off balance, perpetual war. War is all of the things I just mentioned, if you didn't know. Keeps you off balance all the time. Many kinds of warfare and war. Now, talking about propaganda and so on, everything is propaganda. E- even secret releases are often propaganda. You see? And, and you can't even take releases for what they claim to be. Because there's all intelligence, counterintelligence, and so on and so on and so on. There's all a whole bunch of different areas and levels of them. And here's one on... Uh, for example here, the Office of Strategic Information. Strategic Information, that's called. This is a fallen article about the Office of Strategic Information, the OSI, was written by Lou Morano for United Press International on February 26, 2002. It's hereby reprinted in the spirit of fair use. The Pentagon's publicized plans to create the Propaganda Bureau sparked a hailstorm of debate a few days later a two-sentence article in the Financial Times London reported that the Pentagon planned to close the OSI. But did they? No, of course not. Back with more after this break. I'm back and we're cutting through the matrix Going through uh, an article on the Office of Strategic Information Which is actually about disinformation from the OSI, as they call it, uh, from the Pentagon It says, if you like to lie about the murder of Kuwaiti babies after Iraq's invasion of the oil-rich emirate in 1990 you love the Office of Strategic Information That is, if the Pentagon's new Office of Shadow plays survives in the form it had envisioned Last week, the New York Times reported that the Defense Department is paying the Rendon Group's private organization of marketers, you see, guys that make you buy things as well, but also cause wars and make you hate folk. A Washington-based international consulting firm, $100,000 per month to help the OSI with a broad campaign that would include black propaganda or disinformation, commonly known as lies. This brought to mind one of the most notorious pieces of disinformation promulgated the last time the government wanted to build public support for a war against Iraq. It was fabricated by Hill and Knowlton, one of the world's largest public relations firms. Love it, public relations, eh? propaganda, that's what uh, Bernays called it. This is the story that in 1990, invading Iraqi soldiers pulled Kuwaiti premature babies from their incubators and left them to die on the cold floor. The British administration has scrambled away from the storm of criticism sparked by the Times report and the President promised Monday that his government would not lie about defence policy. Oh, ho, ho, ho On Sunday, Defence Secretary Donald Rumsfeld said on NBC's Meet the Press, the person in charge is debating whether it should even exist in its current form, this is the OSI, given all the misinformation and adverse publicity it has received. And then I'll also put up this article here report reveals military experts pushing Pentagon propaganda, but there's no outrage here at all about it, it says here. Then Secretary of Defense, Donald Rumsfeld, it was a news briefing. It shows you that the photographs and so on who's all involved. Since before the start of the Iraq war, you've seen these former generals and colonels dubbed military experts or analysts on the network, television, and cable news shows. You've all seen them on television. They bring them on as experts and military experts and analysts turns out many apparently had a specific agenda to support the administration laid out in talking points by Pentagon public relations folks. And they had a business conflict of interest as well because they all get paid and scurry for billions of dollars in Pentagon contracts for Iraq and Afghanistan. In other words, they're on television to tell you nothing but lies. And say in such a way as to make you believe it, you see, to lie to you. You're the target. Propaganda isn't just aimed at what they see as the enemy, it's always aimed at the people at home as well. The disclosures in an extraordinary investigative report by David Barstow on the front page of Sunday's New York Times have raised a number of questions about how how independent these experts really were about the role of the Pentagon in providing background information versus propaganda, about the failure of the news media to ask for financial disclosure from experts, and about the network's refusal even now to respond adequately to allegations in the Times report. This is but first the heart of Barstow's story, which depended in some part 8,000 Pentagon documents, including emails which the Times went to federal court to obtain. To the public, these men are members of a familiar fraternity, presented tens of thousands of times on television and radio as military analysts whose long service has equipped them to give authoritative and unfettered judgments about the most pressing issues of the post-September 11th world. Hidden behind that appearance of objectivity is a Pentagon information apparatus that has used these analysts in a campaign to generate favorable news coverage of the administration's wartime performance. Well, it's still there, folks. And private marketing companies that specialize in making war through propaganda on other countries and you again paid millions of dollars per month or per week some of them to keep it all going to keep you in the dark and make you believe what they tell you, big bucks the battle for the mind that's what the last part is from Hamish myself from Ontario Canada Good night. to me your God or your God's goal with you